We were just saying, you're all really quiet this morning. I said, oh, I'll just get everyone quiet before we play the video clip. And Chris said, I'm not sure you'll need to. You're all very subdued. Anyway, if you could ask you to all be quiet, extra quiet. We're just going to watch a clip. But Mark said the sound on it's quite low. Uh, but we're just going to watch a quick clip from Mark Marks from Causeway Coast Vineyard. And then... A short time after that, I was then diagnosed with uh, chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, it left me at a point where it's just degraded to where I was hardly able to walk. I'm not able to concentrate. Everything's cloudy. You don't know where you are. Um, you can't sleep. You can't barely write. Um, just everything's difficult. Like it's been, and not just physically, but like this, this friendships and. But with my family, like my family was, was truly a blessing from God. But today um, came and got bread for twice. It's different men, and um, <laughs> I'm walking into my wheelchair now. So. Uh, could you just say how long we, did you have this condition? How long have you been? I've had, I've had this for four years. And for four years, and you've been struggling to. I haven't really been able to do anything for myself. And how do you feel now? I'm shaking and I'm buzzing, and um, I just want to jump. <laughs> I'm doing my So good. So so good. So for those of you that haven't been here in the last few weeks, we're showing these little clips every week. We're just looking at a possibility. You know, we are a community hungry to see more of the supernatural breakout in Ashford um, and bring transformation. We have Healing on the Streets training coming up. There'll be clipboards at the door because we know that you've all been too busy to sign up online. So we've put clipboards out today so that you can be, and Chris said, we'll let your tyres down if you don't sign up on the way out last week. So they're going to be there ready to sign up today. Um, and the guy you heard speaking from behind the camera, Mark Marks, he pioneered... Uh, healing on the streets and he is coming himself to deliver the training for us in March so we'd love for you to be a part of that. So for those of you that don't know me my name is Nick, Nick Kimmons and together with my husband Chris we are the senior pastors here at Ashford Vineyard. Um, you've caught us in the middle of a well near the end of a series actually that we've been doing all about the family and really the thread that's been running through this series is when we understand what God is like as a good, good father, when we understand that and we realise that he has invited us into his family, everything changes. When we really know a position of children of God, then actually everything changes. So on the first week, Chris talked about, well, what is God like as a dad? And then I spoke about the family welcome and the story of the two lost sons in the Bible. And where actually, whether we think we can go it alone or whether we feel totally desperately in need of God, he is pursuing us and he is coming after us to welcome us into a new story. And then Chris spoke about the family behaviour code and how very often the outside world, if you like, looks at people following Jesus and says it's all about rules and it's all about doing the right thing and saying the right thing. But instead, Chris spoke about the fact that the code really is about honour. It's about honouring people as God has honoured us and that that is the bottom line of the family behaviour code. And then last week, he spoke about the family business 
the what are we supposed to do with our lives? If we're in this family, what are we invited into? And he spoke about igniting dreams. And even this morning, I've had a conversation with someone whose heart has been broken for something as a result of something God did last week in sowing a dream in them that maybe they could be a part of a new story for Ashford. And it's incredibly exciting. And this morning, I'm talking about the family inheritance. And what does it mean when we say yes to being a part of this family? What is our inheritance? What do we have access to? And I would say, hold on to your seats this morning, because it's pretty good. Like, the inheritance is pretty good. Every time I spent time on this this week, and actually continually as we've spent time in this series, I think I have some little grasp of the goodness of God, and how generous he is, and how kind he is, and how powerful he is. And then suddenly he just says, no, there's always more. And he drops in a bit more. And that's been one of those weeks for me as I've looked at this subject. So it's going to be in two parts. The first part is really, well, when we say yes to being in the family, what do we inherit? What do we have access to? And the second part is, well, if we have access to all this stuff, how do we live like from a reality? How do we live from a reality of that inheritance? Rather than knowing about it up here, how can we actually live from a place of being sons and daughters and royalty in the kingdom of God, rather than just muddling through life as slaves and orphans. So to give you just a quick pricey, how does this inheritance thing work? Well, as you know, in, in culture and society, inheritance generally is considered that when somebody dies, they pass on stuff to you. And in some ways, that is the simplicity of the gospel. That is the simplicity of the good news of what happened when God sent Jesus. So a very, very brief overview of what the point of Jesus coming was. This is very like, hold on, this is going to be quick. So old way, God creates world, God creates humans. We are created to be in perfect connection with him, always connected, always with him. Adam and Eve make bad choices. They decide that they want to go it their own way, do their own thing. And in doing so, brokenness comes into the world. And at that point, there is a disconnection between people and God and a very, very heartbroken father who is desperate to get his kids back again. So what happens is God sets up what is called the law. And that is a, uh, really a set of requirements or guidance for how to live in order to come back into a place of connection. But God's goodness and his power is too good and too powerful. Even in our best efforts on our very best day, no one could have ever measured up to God's goodness. And part of the law was that the penalty for sin, the stuff that separates us from God, was death. So the way that it used to work in the old way was that if people sinned, they would have to sacrifice. Something would have to die, if you like, to, to count the penalty for that. And that's where animal sacrifices came in. So people would sin and then they would sacrifice animals as a way for atoning for that to be able to be right with God again. But that was never going to work for the long haul. So God decided on the most extravagant rescue mission ever. And he decided that he would send his son, fully God and fully man, to come to earth and get his kids back. That's what his heart was. And so what he did was Jesus came and Jesus lived a perfect life. He didn't commit any sin. He had nothing against him. He fulfilled the whole law. All those requirements were fulfilled in him. And then he did something incredible. 
What he did was, if you imagine, I've pitched it this week like clothing. If you imagine that he is wearing a coat that says, all my connection with the Father, all my power, all my goodness, all my wisdom, all my peace, that's my coat. Your coat is all your stuff, all your selfishness, all your jealousy, all your insecurity, all of your self-sufficiency. And in the moment on the cross, what he said was, I exchange all of me for all of you forever. And he takes off the coat of the people then and he puts it on himself and he takes off everything he has and he puts it on us. And then something amazing happens. He takes all of that stuff and then he dies. He dies a death on the cross and in doing so, all of that stuff that we used to carry around died with him. And then, as you know, I hope the story wasn't over. Look at this. It's not even Easter Sunday and we're doing the story of the cross. So then what happens? He comes back. He comes back to life, but he leaves that coat in the grave. He leaves all of that stuff in the grave and he comes back and he says, this is your new identity. This is the new way. And that is where the inheritance thing kicks in. Because he says, I died, I'm passing everything I have onto you. This is your inheritance, it's who you are, and it's what you have. Now go live like sons and daughters. Don't live like slaves and orphans that are separated from God anymore. Live like you are connected as much as I am to my Father. That's what you get now. Now, Someone that summarized it perhaps better than me was Paul when he wrote to the Romans. And there's a book in the Bible called Romans. And I'm going to read you some snippets which really just summarizes what I've just said um, from the book of Romans. Now, I'm going to give you a slight uh, caveat here. Please go away and read the whole thing because it's so good. We're going to read from Romans 8. It is so good. Please read it all. But I haven't got time to read it all with you today. So I've just picked out some bits that I think lean into inheritance. But if I've left out your favorite verse or the verse that you think is most powerful in the whole of Romans 8, I'm really sorry, but I had to cut it down somehow. So it's going to come up on the screen and I'm reading it from the Passion Translation. Okay, so we're starting at verse 1 and then I'm going to chop and change all over the place. So now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of condemnation against those who are joined in life union with Jesus, the anointed one. For the law of the spirit of life flowing through the anointing of Jesus has liberated us from the law of sin and death. For God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by weakness of human nature. Yet God sent us his son in human form to identify with human weakness, clothed, that clothing thing I said, with humanity. God's son gave his body to be the sin offering so that God could once and for all condemn the guilt and power of sin. So now every righteous requirement of the law can be fulfilled through the anointed one living his life in us. And we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. Jump to verse 10. Now Christ lives in you, lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-giving spirit imparts life to you because you are free fully accepted by God. Yes, God raised Jesus to life, and since God's spirit of resurrection lives in you, he will also raise your dying body to life by the same spirit that breathes life into you. Jump to 14. 
The mature children of God are those who are moved by the impulses of the Holy Spirit. And you did not receive the spirit of religious duty leading you back into the fear of never being good enough. But you have received the spirit of full acceptance, enfolding you into the family of God. And you will never feel orphaned, for as he rises up within us, our spirits join him in saying the words of tender affection, Beloved Father, for the Holy Spirit makes God's fatherhood real to us as he whispers into our innermost being, You are God's beloved child. And since we are his true children, we qualify to share in all of his treasures. Hold that one in your head when you're thinking about inheritance. Since we are his true children, we qualify to share all of his treasures. For indeed, we are heirs of God himself. Totally bonkers. And since we are joined to Christ, we also inherit all that he is and all that he has we will experience being co-glorified with him, provided that we accept his sufferings as our own. Jump to 28. So we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are his lovers who have been called to fulfill his designed purpose. For he knew all about us before we were born and he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of his son. This means the son is the oldest amongst a vast family of brothers and sisters who will become just like him. Jump to 31. So what does this all mean? If God is determined to stand with us, tell me, who then can stand against us? For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't withhold anything from us that he has to give. 38. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I am convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or our future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Yeah. Oh, chew on that. So much, so much to chew on. It was so hard. I was like, I'm, I'm going to run out of time. I'm going to run out of time. I was like, but I can't miss that bit out. Oh, but I can't miss that bit out. And then that bit's so good. And that bit's so good. This is life-giving stuff. When we say that we get an inheritance, when Jesus said, you can have everything I have, it is that good. It really is that good. This is not like one of those things you buy on the shopping channel that looks really good in the advert and then you get it home and it doesn't do anything like the thing it looked like. This is not something you need to have buyer's remorse over. It's really that good. He says that we're in his family. We have access to everything. He's adopted us as his own. 
And some of you may be aware that um, fairly recently, we became a Home for Good church. And Home for Good is a charity that looks to find a home for every child that needs one. They are on an incredible mission to place every fostered child into a home for foster or adoption in the UK. And they basically said if every church in the UK, if one person from each church in the UK took in a child who needed to be fostered or adopted, there would be no children left to be fostered or adopted. It's quite compelling as a vision. And one of the things we've done in becoming a home for good churches, um, I've read the book that this guy who started it, Krish Kandaya, has read, has written. And something that struck me was he talks about God adopting us into his family. And that the thing about adoption is that it is a choice. You choose to bring someone into your family. And in doing so, when you do that, adoption isn't behaving like a father figure or a mother figure. Adoption isn't letting someone lodge in your home. Adoption isn't just feeding someone or talking to someone. Adoption says, I'm going to give you the legal rights as if you were my child by birth. That's what adoption is. So when God talks about adopting us into his family, he doesn't say, Jesus is my number one boy, but I don't mind looking after you lot and doing my best to make sure you get your needs met. He's like, Jesus and you are my number one boy and girl. He said, this is, this is your inheritance. You are adopted into my family. You are not lower than, less than, second to. You have access to everything I've given Jesus. I'm giving to you as well. You have access to that same stuff. So what did Jesus have access to? And I have to warn you, this probably should come with a health warning. It really is quite extravagant. Like if, if you actually allow yourself to align your thinking with we have access to everything Jesus had access to, it can blow your mind a little bit. Again, I couldn't cover everything, but here's just a couple of snippets. He had unlimited access to the Father. The Bible tells us we can go to God with boldness and confidence, like a child running into a room and interrupting their dad in the middle of something and going, dad, 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 to tell them something. That's how we get to come to God. That's part of our inheritance. We don't have to wait for a quiet, polite moment and a tap. We can go and tug on his arm and say, hey, dad. That's the kind of access that we have. He had access to unlimited power unlimited power, power over he- to heal, power over darkness, power to restore. He even had power over nature. So get your head around that one, right? We've got access to everything Jesus had access to, and he could calm storms. Therefore, we have to conclude at some point that we haven't worked out how to do it yet, but we have got access to it. This stuff is mad. We have access to everything that Jesus had access to. So if he had unlimited power, then therefore we have access to that power as sons and daughters. In fact, there's a great verse that will come up on the screen from Colossians. This is the message translation. It says, everything of God gets expressed in him, Jesus, 
so that you can see and hear him clearly. You don't need a telescope, a microscope, or a horoscope to realize the fullness of Christ and the emptiness of the universe without him. When you come to him, that fullness comes together for you too. His power extends over everything. Line before, it's for you too. Next line, his power extends over everything. The other thing he has is unlimited provision. He had everything he needed. Jesus could make money appear in a fish mouth, in a fish's mouth. Like we did a whole series on, on actually on money and resources and the fact we're designed to prosper. Jesus had all the resources he needed. And I'm going to tell you a very quick story here. Dave just mentioned uh, DTI and the vineyard movement of basically investing huge amounts of time and money into this young generation coming through. Chris mentioned last week some horrifying stats about young people in today's society and the, the challenges that they are facing. I am really learning how to live like I have an inheritance at the moment. And one of the ways I'm trying to learn to do this is with how we manage our resources and our finances and trusting God more with that. So before we went to NLC, we're having some building work done at the moment, and we just found out that there was a good chance it was going to cost more than we had allowed for. And then we went to the National Leaders Conference, and these people got up and shared the vision for Dreaming Dreaming the Impossible, which is the conference for young people. Now, alongside that, I think it was two and a half, maybe three and a half years ago, we went abroad with the children and we've been saying we would love to take them abroad again on a holiday. And so we set up an account and we just, every now and again, if there was a little bit spare, we just put it in into what we called the holiday account. So we hear these people talk about dreaming the impossible and then they invite you to give. And we gave on behalf of Ashford Vineyard and then we always try and give personally as well. And I felt God say and we talked about it briefly in that moment, I felt God invite me to empty the holiday account into this vision. And what, what I can see is changing in me is it didn't, it felt exciting. <laughs> it didn't feel like, oh no, how am I going to break it to the children? You know, it didn't feel like that. It felt like a dad saying, Nick, I've got this. Like, I've got this. I see what you want and need for your family. I know what the building's going to cost. I know that you'd love to take the children on a holiday. But do you know what? There are young people and, and I'm doing something over here and I'd love you to partner with that. I'd love you to get involved. And it felt fun. And so I went onto the bank account and I emptied the holiday account into paying for this. Less than a week later, I have a phone call from a family member who had a, um, a burglary in their house uh, a few months ago, and that family member had had some very sentimental jewellery stolen, and it wasn't replaceable, and the insurance had just come through, and this person spoke to me on the phone and said, I meant to speak to you because I would love to be able to give you and Chris a gift out of that money. I don't really want or need that money. It turns out it was more than double the amount I'd emptied out of the holiday account. More than double! God's inheritance is so much better than we think. But the kingdom is about generosity and about trust. I wouldn't have been, I I mean, I burst into tears. Yeah, those of you who know me, unsurprising. I burst into tears and I was like, I can't, I was like, I can't believe it, but I can believe it, but I can't believe it. His provision is available for us. But he's saying, please stop trying to do it on your own because your inheritance, I've got everything you need. 
I've got, look how easy it is for me. How could he have known that it would be a week later that the insurance claim would come from that moment? He knew, he already knew, and he was already ready to bless us. Jesus had access to unlimited grace and mercy, fully accepted as he was, as we are. And he had unlimited wisdom. You can walk into any situation knowing that, as Chris said last week, God is not short on answers. He's not short on wisdom. He says we have the mind of Christ. We get to think like him. That's part of our inheritance and it's available for us. So, don't worry, part two is much quicker. But part one, to land that, the summary of that is, we've been singing a song here, which is, I am who you say I am. We've been talking about identity. I'm a child of God. I am who you say I am. This week, I felt God boom in my ear. You have what I say you have. I have what God says I have. It's like an appendage to, is that a word? But yes. It's a, so just checking with the grammar on the front row. Yes, that is dictionary corner has checked in. That is a word. Um, I am who you say I am. I have what you say I have. This is good news. I have what he says I have. So if he's, it's the gospel. So it's like if he says I have unlimited power, unlimited wisdom, unlimited provision, unlimited grace and mercy, unlimited, unlimited, then I need to start living from a place of that inheritance rather than just knowing it up here. Part one, done. Part two, what gets in the way? Because you might be sitting there thinking, this really is better news than I thought, but I'm not really seeing this as a reality in my life. Well, join the club. We would all love to see more of this as a reality. I think the key is about understanding our identity as sons and daughters and understanding how good God is as a father. When we get it here, everything changes. I, if that had been a couple of years ago that I felt God invite me to give money into a vision, I don't think I'd have been excited. What's different in me? We don't have more money. It's not that. It's not like we've got loads to spare now, so it's easier. I think I'm discovering how to be a daughter. And so therefore, I'm being invited into experiences with a new set of lenses. To give you a, a very quick analogy... And I did this at Christmas Eve Chill, so if you're hearing it again, then you, know, you might remember it twice. Imagine a man who's very poor. He's wearing ragged clothing, unkempt, unclean. He has nothing. He has no money. He lives from a poor mindset. Life is a struggle. Every day he wakes up, it's hard. It's a struggle. He doesn't know what to do. He has no aspirations because his circumstances tell him it is pointless. You don't have enough. You don't have anything. Now imagine that unbeknownst to him, a relative dies who is a millionaire and leaves the entire fortune to this man. Now the thing that happens, this man, his reality is he is a millionaire. Legally, he is now a millionaire. But if he never checks his bank account, he will continue to live like a man who is poor and never has enough. His thoughts, his emotions, his decisions, his behavior will all be dictated from a place of poverty and not having enough. But the reality is he's a millionaire. He just hasn't worked it out. The, the money's in the bank. Now imagine he goes and checks his bank account and sees that he is a millionaire. 
his life cannot stay the same. Suddenly, his thoughts, his decisions, his behavior, his way of living, his aspirations can't help but change because he suddenly realized he's got money in the bank. He can do, suddenly possibility is available to him. And I think that's what happens to us with inheritance. For many of us, I include myself, we spend a lot of our time walking around like we haven't checked our bank account and seen what's available. And so we keep living from a place of trying harder, trying to perform, trying to do it ourselves, trying to earn God's affection. And he's like, check the bank. It's all in there and it's all yours. Come to me and I'll show you how to use it wisely. Come to me and I'll teach you how to get the best from what I've got for you. Don't come and just withdraw it all and then run off and do it by yourself. Come and, come and do this with me. This is how it was designed. I'm going to show you a very quick video and I've asked um, Mark to pause it at a particular point. So yeah, just watch the screen. A moment ago, we made this volunteer believe she sunk a pair of blindfolded free throws. When earlier, with no blindfold, she missed 10 in a row. How will she do her second time at the line now that she thinks she nailed those blindfolded buckets? Close. <laughs> so close. So close. That's number one. All right. Keep it going. Keep it going. Oh. She's definitely getting closer, but no baskets yet. You got this. You got this. You got this. By making her think she sank those blindfolded shots, and by cheering and giving her positive reinforcement, it's almost like we hacked her self-confidence and got her to believe more in her natural abilities. In fact, out of 10 shots this time around, she ended up making four. Quite an improvement. So, what I want you to see here, this is, you know, this is not about the power of positivity. What I'm trying to show is that she stood up to that line not believing she had the skills or resources to be able to achieve what was in front of her. She couldn't do the task. She didn't have what it took. What then happened was a group of people got around her and said, you've got this, you've got this, you can do this. They actually aligned her thinking with what was possible rather than what was impossible. This is why this series is called Family. You are not in this on your own. The power of getting people around you who are inheritance people who say to you, you've got this. Do you know why I know? Because you've got access to everything Jesus has got access to. I'm now going to show you the next part of the video and I'm going to show you what can happen when we start to align our thinking instead with what culture tells us about our inheritance and what is possible. But what if one of our volunteers was already good at basketball? Whoa, this guy's got game. He made a whopping nine shots from the line. Think there's anything we could do to make him worse? Okay, so let's have you take one shot, all right? You think you can do it, guys? All right, Josh, let's give it a shot. Three, two, 
One. Not quite, not quite, but it's all right. Let's, let him let him try a second time. It's a tough one. All right. Wow. Let's give it a shot, Josh. All right. All right. Well, look, the man the man is blind. Okay. Let's go ahead and take off the blindfold. So listen, it wasn't as easy as we thought, but let's yeah. have you do your, your 10 throws again without the blindfold. Okay. Just do your thing, nine out of 10, maybe 10 out of 10. Okay. All right, let's see. You guys uh, got his, his A game on? <laughs> Come on, Josh. Whoa. All right, Josh. You got this, man. You got this. All right, that's two. Remember, this guy made nine free throws earlier, but now it looks like the crowd's negative reinforcement is throwing him off his game. I think my question would be, who's who are you listening to? <laughs> Whose voices are you listening to in your life? There is an inheritance in the bank waiting for you to start withdrawing from. But if your colleague at work has a bad back and you go to pray for them, do you know what I want in my life? Is people who are going to say, God's going to turn up. God's going to do stuff. God, just watch. Watch what happened the last three times you prayed for someone and they got healed. Not the voice in my own head, which is probably best representative of the crowd, actually. And the voice of culture that says, you can't do that. Your God's not that good. Really? You honestly think your God can do that? Oh. You think you can trust God with your money? No. You need to set up a savings account and you need to do this, this, and this, and this. I would encourage you today, start living from a reality of withdrawing from the bank. The videos we've seen in recent weeks, when you look at these people like Robbie Dawkins and Mark Marks and people and you think, well, when they pray for people, people seem to get well. Like, why did they get the breakthrough? I think some of the answer is that they have understood who they are and what they have. And they are aligning their thinking with that. And they are showing up knowing what a good dad their God is. I think that's what's happening. We need to live. What would Ashford look like if we live from a reality of the inheritance we have available for us. Let's stand up and we'll pray. The first thing I would love to do is just to invite you, if you have never said yes to being a part of this family before, and you think, that inheritance sounds pretty good, I, I want to be in, and you want to say that yes for the first time today, please come and find me afterwards. I would love to speak to you. And I would love to tell you that it's even better than just the inheritance and the stuff that we've spoken about today. But let's just close our eyes and, and open our hearts up to God. Father, we invite you as our Father to open our eyes up to possibility in our life. Open our eyes up to what we see in the life of Jesus and a knowledge that what we see, we can expect to see in our lives too. Empower us, fill us with your spirit and your courage. I thank you, Father, this is not about performance or effort or trying, but surrender. 
a surrendering to who you say we are and what you say we have. Help us to become extravagant people who use the access to the wisdom and the resources and the power that you have given us to transform Ashford and bring life. And Father, we're really sorry for where we just default sometimes to self-sufficiency. Help us to know you better as a dad and to start to see more of the breakthrough that we long for in this town. Thank you, Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today and we hope you enjoyed it. For more information, visit ashfordvineyard.org or maybe drop into something if you're nearby. In the meantime, have a great week and know just how loved you are.